And again, we're talking about the Godhead. And, and uh, uh, as I stated, that that word tr Godhead, meaning Trinity, but the word Trinity, of course, is not found in Scripture, but that does not preclude it, preclude us from using it or in the teaching. We understand that is uh, Trinity is a theological term, that, that a theological term that means, <coughs> in theology, it means the union of three persons in one Godhead, if we're talking theological, theological terms. So what we want to understand as we, leave, as we walk away from here today is what the Godhead or the Trinity is and what each one, each person, each individual in that Trinity, what their role is and how they are distinguished one from another, but yet they're all equal and all one, all the same. And that's what uh, uh, so much confusion in teaching over the years, uh, you know, has been about how do you define the Trinity? And we'll get to some of that, but let's look at this. <clears throat> let's start here. And I'm gonna talk about each one of the, the members of the Trinity when we finish this part here. But let's, let's get started here. That, and understand that man in our finite capacity, you know, when we deal in the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit of God, then God can show us things that we just are never gonna know in our own mental capacity. And so in this capacity, we can only attempt to explain what we mean by, and I'll use the word Trinity and Godhead interchangeably. So if I say one, it means the other two. To explain this, and, and we look on it with reverence, and I think this is where uh, anyone teaching certain things, you, you really have to be, and I've said this over and over, be mindful about being dogmatic about some things, okay? Praise God, especially when it comes to things that, uh, that, that we struggle with to understand because, you know, of our limitations. Praise God. Now, let me say this. We put on the mind of Christ. We are unlimited, but we're still dealing through this flesh. So the Godhead, or the more familiar term, the Trinity, or triunity of God, it, it's not, let me say what it's not first. It's not a hat-swapping trick. <clears throat> I remember this is how I understood the Trinity, and even up into my adult years, that's the way it was always explained. Well, how, how's the Trinity? It, it, like, okay, I'm a father, so I got on my dad's hat. Then I go to work, so I take my dad hat off, and I put on my employee hat. Then after I finish my job that day and I got to go coach Little League baseball, then I take off my employee hat and I put on my coach hat. So there's three functions, but only one person doing it. And that's how, uh, <clears throat> that's how it has been explained most, that's all the way I heard it explained growing up. But that's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. God doesn't, you know, take off his God the Father hat and put on the, who, who do I need to be right now? You need to be Jesus. Okay, he takes that God the Father hat on and put on the Jesus hat, and then you say, well, where are you going? I'm going down here to deal with these people. Uh, well, this is the church age, so put on the Holy Spirit hat. So he takes off the Jesus hat, because, you know, Jesus 
has already spent his time on the earth for now, and he puts on the Holy Spirit hat because this is the age that we live in, and so now we're dealing with the Holy Spirit. And that's the way it was explained, but that's not what the Bible says. The Godhead consists of three distinct individual persons with three distinct individual roles all working together in concert all having their own personality. So they are all in total agreement at all times in perfect harmony and in perfect harmony that one is almost indistinguishable from the other because they are, they, they are, they are one, but they are three. Hallelujah. Three different people, three different personalities, not, not personalities as in you know you you are what's that what's that schizophrenic three different individual persons now Jesus John 14 9 made it very clear when he replied to Philip listen at this he said talking about them being one he said Philip he that has seen me listen has seen the father because we're talking about how they are in such tight harmony now not that they are one person but they are so in tight harmony. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus was saying to Philip that there was no difference in what he did and said and what the Father did and said because his scripture says he only said what he heard his Father say. And again, this is where some confusion comes in when Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. See, there it is. No, no, no. Jesus said, now listen, I only do what I hear or say what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see outside of myself my Father do. So they have to be two separate individuals. Okay in order to do what Jesus, what Jesus said. So he never, he being Jesus, never moved in his own accord unless he heard what his, his father tell him to do something. This was the key to Jesus' success. Think, 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 friends. How successful would we be if we only did what the Lord told us to do? If we only went, said, did, thought what he told us to go, say, and think. How successful would we be? We would be 100% successful in what he told us to do. In what he told us to do. Hallelujah. This is Jesus' formula for life. He was totally submitted to the Father. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father sent to replace Jesus, was exactly the same way. Jesus said, or the scripture says, that the Holy Spirit doesn't move on his own. He only does what he hears the Father say do. He doesn't move on his own. Even in the creation of, of, of all things, when God created the heaven and the earth, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth, and he did not move until the Father said go. This is what we have to understand. As we become more and more one with the Lord, listening, taking the time to listen, to hear, 
so that we can do what we hear him say. Now, we don't like to, sometimes don't like to say, then we'll become more like Jesus. How many know that's what Jesus wants for us? He wants for us to have the same relationship with him that he has with the Father, and then we have the same relationship with the Father. What is that? To only, come on, only say what we hear him say. And then we don't have to say, I shouldn't have said that. You know, forgive me for saying that. You know, I've had to say that more than once. Why? Because I spoke out of my flesh instead of listening in my spirit to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Because Jesus said he will only say what he hear the Father says. That's all, that's all, that's all the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not going to come up to you with small talk. Because he only says what he hears the Father say. Now, if the Father says something like that, then fine. Glory to God. Let's, uh, let's, let's, we're here in the Gospel of, go back to the Gospel of John. Let's look at a couple of two or three examples here. And friends, this will, this will, if we'll start arranging our life like this and just begin to work on this, John chapter 16, that I'm going to wait to hear what the Father says, and that's when I will speak. That doesn't always please everybody, because, <laughs> you know, folks want you to do something and do it now and say something and say it now, and that doesn't always work that way. John chapter 16 16, verse 12. Let's read, let's start at verse 12. Jesus says this, I have many things, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, I love this part. When he, the who? Spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth is come. Now, think about it. I have a lot of things to say to you, but you can't receive it. You can't receive it. Why? You don't have the capacity in here to receive it. You need the spirit of truth living in you. If Jesus and the Holy Spirit were one and the same, could Jesus say what he's saying? He's already there. He says, I'm going to go away, and the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. If they were the same, why would Jesus need to leave? Hallelujah. Let's read a little bit more. He says, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He, 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 Jesus keeps speaking of, of the Holy Spirit as a different entity than himself. Oh, thank you, Lord. So, the fact that, the fact of three separate persons is also illustrated. Let's go to uh, chapter three. Let's see these three people. So, we see Jesus and the Holy Spirit there. Let's look at chapter three. This, this to me, uh, Years and years and years ago, decades ago now I could say, when I was studying this and, and, and hearing things, and, and, I, and I just said this, this, this hat trick doesn't make sense. 
doesn't make sense. That's what I'm saying. Read the scripture for yourself. Read the scripture for yourself. Now watch this. John 3. Hallelujah. I, I said John. I meant Matthew. Wrong one. I mean John. John 3 is just rolls off so well. You know, we said John 3, 16. And then that's not even the verse. <laughs> Matthew 3, 16. Now watch this. Talking about the three of them. Three separate individuals. All right. And Jesus, when he was, that's one, right? Baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw, and he what? Saw something separate from himself, the Spirit of God descending like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. He didn't see a bird flying, from, flying down there to him. But this is a separate entity, and lighting upon him, falling upon him. So that's two. That's Jesus. Then there's the Holy Spirit. Now watch the, the next. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There's all three of them right there. There's all three of them right there. Jesus coming out of the water, sees the Holy Spirit coming down on him, and then hears the Father speak to the crowd. To say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's all three. So it can't be the hat swapping trick. Jesus was not a ventriloquist. He wasn't throwing his voice to make it sound like he's coming from heaven. So there has to be more than one entity but they functioned as one. Their character is one. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And uh, let's see, we'll, 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 we'll get some more of that later. Uh, let's go now, let's look at these three different, and I'll come back to this other thing. I'm talking to myself up here. So it's not three of me up here, it's just one. So I'm talking to myself. Let's, I want to look at the three different entities now. Uh, John chapter 5. And we'll start with the Father. John chapter 5. Hallelujah. God's number one attribute is his self-existence. Now, when we're talking about having a limited a finite mentality, when you and I try to define or, or really try to think in the realm of eternity, it's impossible. We, we do not, in this stage, have the mental capacity to understand no beginning, if you will. Alpha and Omega, he tell, he's the beginning and the end, and, and then we constantly say, but there had to be something before him. Because everything has to come from somebody. And then we start hearing a frying noise in our brain. And then we start seeing smoke.
come out of our ears because we're trying to understand something that we just have no concept of because everything came from something. Hmm? And, uh, and the idiocy of Big Bang, you go, okay, how can nothing Big Bang? Amen. So Jehovah means self-existent one. He is neither begotten or proceeds from any other source than himself. John 5, look at verse 20, verse 26. For as the Father hath life, where? Are y'all with me here? John 5, 26. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. He has life in himself. He is self-existence. He depends on no one and anything else. Glory to God. I like having a God like this. He is, he is the absolute source of all life and existence. God the Father is featured, listen to this, friends, because here we, here we are talking about now when each part was of the Trinity was revealed. So God the Father is featured most prominently in the Old Testament, but he is not known to his chosen people as a father, but more as a fearful and dreadful God who exacts wrath upon those who disobey him and vengeance upon his enemies. Now, where, where did that depiction of God come from? Where it came from the people themselves? Remember, they were in Egypt for 400 years, all types of gods. Everything had a different god. And you had gods that if something bad happened, you said, oh, you made uh, whatever one of the gods' names, you made them mad and they're exacting vengeance on you. And so their ideal, friends, you can't be around something all the time and it not affect you. You may think it is not affecting you because you're not acting just like them, but I guarantee you that there's the things happening to you and you, you will begin to pick up their ways. You may never bow down at an altar and worship their God, but you'll start saying some things and you may start singing. You know you've been in an elevator and, and just like I mentioned earlier uh, about this song by Billy Preston, Nothing From Nothing, all I said was nothing and y'all filled in the rest of it. So, so being, around, uh, uh, being around something, it's going to rub off on you, okay? And that's why when Moses, being raised in Pharaoh's house, all of the gods had a name. So when he came to, up on the mountain and he's standing before God, he says, who shall I tell them sent me? What is your name? That's the first thing they're going to ask him. What, what is God's name? Because we got all these Amun-Ra and Ruah and Buah and Shuah and all these other gods. What's, what's your God's name? And what did he say to him? Tell them that I am. What does that mean? Self-existing. I have always been and will always be, and there's nothing outside of me. He's like, oh, okay. Because, you know, they could go build and make themselves a god. And he says, tell them that I am has sent, has sent thee. 
Now, this picture that we just painted of God, this picture is a self-concocted view of God by the former Egyptian slaves who refused to mentally leave Egypt. This is where we get, we, you know, in the New Testament, Romans 12 tells us that we have to what? Renew our minds. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Because you can get saved and never stop thinking like a sinner. You can go to heaven thinking like a sinner. You can live most of your saved life, probably some, all of their saved life, and never stop thinking like a sinner if you don't get your mind renewed. And that takes work. Let's go to uh, uh, Exodus chapter 20. Because they, God did not come up with this. They came up with this. He's dreadful and, oh, man, he's a vengeful God. And, ooh, you don't want to look at him and, and all of this stuff. And when he said, no, I'm a loving father. And then these things carry over into the New Testament, to the church. God will strike you down. And people go, well, I don't really want to, you know. And so man painted a picture of God like that. And then we're going to see the concept of, 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 you know, Catholicism here. Where you have to go through a man. Well, you do have to go through a man. It's the man Christ Jesus but not a man on this earth to get to God anymore. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to think about this, that this, this, this picture that they painted for themselves because they actually refused to have a personal relationship with God. Friends, that is still going on so much today. People want preacher, pray for me. Okay. What are you going to do for yourself? What do you want me to say? Lord bless him. What, what do you want me to say? What do you want, what do you want when we say preacher, pray for me? What, what do we want? Pray, what, what do you want me to pray about? You know, uh, just, you know, just pray for me. Lord, send him to hell if he don't straighten up. Well, that's not a good prayer because God doesn't send people to hell. All right, watch this. Exodus chapter, what chapter? 20. Let's start at verse 18. Now watch this. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will, and we will hear. Listen, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. Did God tell them he was going to kill them if he had to talk to them? No. They, and people are still doing this. They're making up stuff on God out of their own hearts and heads. Well, you know the Lord. Well, how do you know that? What do you mean you know the Lord? How do you, where is that coming from? Well, you heard somebody saying you just picked it up and kept going with it. Look at this next, next verse. They said, and they said this, God didn't say he was going to kill them. They said this, at least, you, you know, Moses, you speak to God. We don't want God to talk to us, at least we die. And Moses said unto the people, fear not. 
For God is come to you to prove you and that his fear may be before fear or the word is reverence before your face that ye sin not. But they said, no, Moses, we don't, we don't, we don't want to talk to him. Look at verse 21. And the people stood afar off and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. Moses went toward God. They went away from God. God didn't tell them to get out, get away from me, get out of my face. Because God told Moses, go back and read the whole thing. God says, I want to come down and talk to the people. I want to talk to them. And Moses told the people, God wants to talk to you. And they said, no, Moses, you go talk to God for us. And they gave up their rights to talk to God and send it through one man. And God said, okay. He won't force himself on anyone. He's God the Father. He's God the Father, not God the killer. He's God the Father. Hmm. And, and they did not know that God was a loving Father and his plans and desires for us are only good. They are only good. Hallelujah. Y'all remember James 1.17? Let's go, let's go, let's go ahead and take a quick look at that. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, this, this teaching today that's so pervasive, uh, God is in control. And what that, <clears throat> what that says is that whatever happens, God let it, God did it. So, you know, and let's think about it. Just, just I, I always say, apply the common sense rule. If God is in control, why are we doing anything? Why do anything? If God is in control, why do anything? Let's take it like this. We're in a car. The person under steering wheel, we call the, the what? The driver. Are they in control? Yes. Then why would anybody else grab the wheel? You know, if, if I'm in control and I put on my left sig signal, I'm driving, I put my left signal, my wife reach over there and, and pull the wheel to go right. We're going to have a mess. So if God is in control, then all we need to do is just sit back and ride. We don't need to pray. We don't need to do anything if God is in control. And what this is, friends, it's an escape route. Because now, nothing is on me. Why? Because God is in control. When he said to us, submit to God, who, whose, whose responsibility is that? Ours. Right here in this book of James. Submit to God. And then he says, resist the devil. Resist. And he will what? Flee from you. But if we say, God put this on me to teach me something, you didn't resist whatever is on you. Whatever you're going through, you didn't resist it. And Satan goes, listen, watch this now. When Satan came before the sons of God, God was having a meeting, uh, and Satan came before and presented himself along with the sons of God, and, and, and God said, what are you doing here? You've been looking at my servant Job, haven't you? And he says, yeah, but you know what? I can't touch him because you have a hedge around him. And God says, I do. 
And uh, he says, no. Satan said what? He serves you because you bless him. If I, and Satan said, I can get in there and prove to you that he only serves you because he blesses you. And what did God say to him? Now, here's religion. God handed Job to him on a silver platter. Job said, uh, Satan said himself, you've built a hedge up around him. God says, when's the last time you looked? There's no hedge up now. What happened to the hedge? Job knocked it down himself. How did he do it? Well, the scripture says that every day Job was offering, offering sacrifices for his children. You know, perhaps they've sinned, perhaps they've sinned. And then he finally tells us what happened. He says, that which I have greatly feared has come upon me. So Job, Job was not living in faith. He was living in fear, which knocked down his hedge of protection. And the door was open. God, in his mercy, says, you cannot kill him. I will not allow that to happen. But what, we, what has happened, religion says, God sicked Job, Satan on Job. Why would you do that? That's like you're going up and there's a, a hungry lion and you tell the lion, go get my child and get you a meal. No. James 1.17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Is that a good father? That's a good father. It's, I don't see wrathful, vengeful, merciless, killer. I don't see that here. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom, listen, is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He doesn't change from this. He doesn't change from being good and giving good gifts. There's no darkness in him at all, and there's no changing in him. Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord God, I change not. Meaning, he was the same way when Abraham walked the earth and when the children of Israel were in bondage. He's the same good God. When they were afraid to go on the mountain, they didn't want to have a relationship with him. He gets blamed for it. Mm. But he's a father. He is God the Father. He loved us so much that he offered up his only begotten son. Now, that is John 3, 16. And the scripture says that God is a spirit. He is perfect in all his ways, and he is personal. We're talking about the first one in the, in the Trinity, God the Father. He sees and treats us as individuals as any good earthly father would with his own children. You know, yes, sometimes growing up, uh, you know, and even now with our children, we treat them as our children, but then they're, most of the time we treat them as individuals because that's what they are, individuals. So yes, God sees us as the church, body of believers, but then he sees me as Iverson, his son. And he, and, and he has the capacity, he has the capacity 
to deal with all of us equally at the same time. At the same time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We do a, we do a lot of whatever you, what do you call them calls when you know, everybody can three ways and five ways and you know we do we do a lot of those. I'll be talking to one of the girls and the, another one will call and well, hold on let me just add them in. But see, God doesn't have to do that. He can deal with us all privately, individually. That's awesome. So the Old Testament saints knew God, Jehovah, by his, uh, Jehovah being his personal name. The Old Testament said saints knew God <clears throat> by his acts and calls him, called him as such. Jehovah Jireh is who? The God who sees ahead and provides. Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. All of those redemptive names, and we call him Father. Why? Because all of that is part of it. Because they didn't know him personally like we know him. Hallelujah. God, now the other thing with God, that God is greater, now I want you to stay with me here, he is greater than all, as Jesus said. Because, here it is, he is the father. Because he is the father. Because I know you heard me use the term equal, but Jesus said he is greater. Doesn't mean you're not equal, but he's greater. You say, but this math is equal is greater. Stay with me. The parent is always honored above the child, no matter what rank or position the child rises to in life. This is my mother. She doesn't have the, all the degrees and things that I have, but guess what? She's honored above me because she created me. I came from her. So, so her position of honor never changes, no matter what I do or achieve or what folk call me. It, um, it doesn't matter because she is in a, that place of honor. And Jesus came out of the Father. He was always eternally with him, but he came forth from the Father, but because the Father is the Father, he has a higher position of honor. Of honor. And that's what it's, that's what it's about. And that's the thing that we have to learn. You never outgrow honor. Hallelujah. Let's, let's go on to the next part, the next person, rather, in the Godhead, and that is God the Son. All the persons of the Godhead are co-equal, and co-eternal. Hallelujah. Jesus and the Holy Spirit always existed with the Father. This is what I, what, something I was just saying. It is their self-revelation through chronological time that makes it appear as though one came after the other. Jesus was always in the Father. John 1.1 1, 1 says what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And we know that the word is Jesus. So in the beginning, he was there. Hallelujah. Now, I couldn't tell you when the beginning of is. I don't know. Someone asked, when is the beginning? I said, when the beginning was. That's, was it 40 million years ago? If it's eternity, there's no, there's no clock on it. Hallelujah. All right, so Jesus was, listen to me, friends, he was not 
created by the Father as man was. He was begotten or came forth out of eternity into our time to redeem us. Just as we said in John 1, 1, the word was with God. Literally stated, Jesus, the word was face to face with God. Always. Always. He was God walking and dwelling among man, his creation. As God, he accepted no special rights or privileges when he walked the earth, during his time on earth, but lived out every challenge thrown at him by, by his own creation. So Jesus was God in the flesh. He wasn't God the Father, but he was God. And, and, and I know we go, well, I, I don't see how, just believe what Jesus said. Jesus said to Philip again, when you have seen me, you've seen the Father. You're not going to get anything different from me than you would get from the Father. Hallelujah. Jesus, he was both divine and human, but he walked and lived his life totally as a human. Thank you, Lord. He was the last Adam, and all of eternity future rested on his shoulders, and he did not fail us, but he fulfilled every letter of the word of prophecy about him. And it was mentioned this morning in Sunday school talking about uh, the prophets. Isaiah prophesied 750 years before Jesus was born. 700 plus years. But it happened, and it happened just exactly the way he said it. Glory to God. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Now, here is a verse, a passage, I should say it like that, that once I got an understanding of it, 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 it was just never. You can't see, ever see Jesus the same again. And it cleared up a lot of other things. Colossians chapter 1, and let's start, look at verse 18. Thank you, Lord. And we're talking about, we talked about God the Father, now we're talking about God the Son. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1, that's Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Here it is. All right. Listen at this. And he is, we're talking about Jesus, he's talking about Jesus, the head of the body. We read that in the other passage. The church, listen to this, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Should all fullness dwell. Now go over to chapter 2, and let's hear this more succinctly. It's going to say the same thing, but it's going to say it very succinctly. Now I want you to think about this. Here's Jesus in the earth. Here's Jesus now. Jesus, we know that God is the Spirit, right? When Jesus existed with the Father in eternity past, 
he was also a spirit. When he came to this earth, when he took on the form of man, he never reverted back to just being a spirit. When he was raised from the dead, he went into his disciples and they said, you are a spirit. And he said, touch me. Y'all remember that? What did he say after he said, touch me? For a spirit have not flesh and bone. He did not say flesh and blood because he had no blood in his body. He said, flesh and bone as I have. And when you think about Jesus gave up something forever. He was, he was never going to be with the Father as he was before, face to face, spirits face to face. He now had a body just like the one that you have. Flesh and bone. What's the difference in his and ours? His is glorified. It's, it's, full, of, it's full of glory juice. It doesn't have blood in it. His blood is on the altar. Now, now, okay, so what I'm, what I'm painting here is Jesus looks just like me and you right now. A human being. Forever. But here's the thing right here. Now watch this. For in him, now remember, this is Paul writing, and this is after the cross, after the resurrection. This is after Jesus has been seated at the right hand of the Father on high, in the heavenly place, heavenly heaven, at the throne room of God. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I, I like to shorten it like this. All of God in the human body. Glory to God. All of God in a human body. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Every attribute of God in a human body. Every attribute of God. Are y'all hearing me? In a human body. What's in a human body? I just said it. What's in a human body? People that are born again. All the attributes of God. Now, you, you got that, right? So now let's go on to God, the Holy Spirit. Don't forget, the fullness. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead in a body. All the attributes of, of God in the body. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, you go back in John and you read that again. And he says, I'm going to go away, but the father is going to send another comforter. That word, another comforter is paraclete, meaning one who walks alongside a helper. He said he's going to send one. And he said what? He's going to be just like me. <laughs> Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead in a body, and he sent the Holy Spirit, who is just like him, to not now, to no longer walk alongside us, but to what? Be in us. 
if, if, if we can really get a revelation that he lives in us, It won't be a church thing. It won't be a go to church, go to meeting the church thing anymore. It'll be a living revelation that all that Jesus is, <laughs> is in me. Oh, wait a minute now. Why would God go through all these extremes to give us nothing? To give us just a portion. The, the Holy Spirit is every bit as much a person as God the Father, God the Son. Listen, friends, he is not when, because, you know, we take a piece of a scripture and, and, and run off with it. We know what happened in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came as a rushing mighty wind. So now we think the Holy Spirit is a wind. Jesus saw the Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove. So we see a picture now of the Holy Spirit and he's a bird. He set upon them like as of tongues of fire. And so we see the Holy Spirit and we think he's a fire. All those are, 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 are emblems or ways that we can, uh, descriptors, ways that we can kind of understand it with our mind, okay? But he's not a bird. He's not wind. He's not a fire. He's a person, not a thing. He is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. Not a thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we, we live in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, which is also called the church age. This is also called the church age. Meaning that the Holy Spirit is the active member of the Godhead in the earth right now, just as God the Father was in the Old Testament, he was the prominent, he was who was prominent in the Old Testament, and God the Son in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then after that, the letters to the church, the New Testament, what we call the New Testament letters to the church, and including uh, you know, Acts, which is a history book, and, and uh, Revelation, we see the Holy Spirit at work. God the Father. Old Testament, God the Son in the Gospels, and now God the Holy Spirit in the church. And we have to remember that he has feelings. The Bible tells us that he can be grieved, grieve not, grieve not the Spirit of God. He has intellect, he thinks, emotions, and he has an independent will just as we have, but he chooses to obey the Father perfectly. He's referred to as a person by Jesus using the pronouns, and here's when this is actually proper, he, he. Look, look at John, look at John again, chapter 16. I, I tell you, they, the John, the gospel of John is where the Holy Spirit, I mean, he teaches more about that than any other chapter, any other book. John chapter 16, hallelujah. Look at verse 14. Uh, go to verse 13. We'll pick up there. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, when who? He, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, then that 
shall he speak and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. He's a person. He's not a thing. He's not an it. He is a person just like God the Father, just like God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. He is a person. And, and, and because we have just kind of misquoted or just not said it in the proper terms, we see him as an it rather than a person. Here's the third person of the Godhead brought forth in the time that the Father had set from eternity to pass. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit differ in their relations to man in that the Son walked with men while the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, lives in man. Jesus' disciples were very sad because they did not understand that this at that time when he told them that. They want to have a Jesus that you could touch, that you could walk down the street, that you could lay your head on, that you could rub, that you could ask questions to, that would be there, that you know that you had to go wake up out of the ship. And Jesus is saying, no, it's, it's going to be much better than that. It's going to be much better. Now, every one of you is going to have me in the form of God, the Holy Spirit, living in you. And the very same thing you sought for me outwardly, you're going to be able to do yourself because you're operating by the same power I'm operating by because we know the scripture tells us that Jesus had uh, the spirit without measure. He had the spirit. The same one that indwells us indwells Jesus. The same. He doesn't, Jesus didn't operate by a different system than what we are, are given to operate by today. We've just been talked out of it or never talked into it to act on it and treated the Holy Spirit as, as he's just when he it'd come up on me. So hey, hush up, my papa, look, and then we through with it. We, you know, we got the feeling, we verbalized a little bit. Now we're through with him. Do we? Do we? Do we ever take the time? To talk with him. We don't pray to the Holy Spirit. Who do we pray to? We pray to God. How? In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Now, what's the Holy Spirit's role in our prayer life? He will, he's sent to be a what? Helper. He helpeth us. He helps us. Romans, 20, Romans chapter 8. He helps us. He prays the perfect prayer through us when we will yield ourselves to him. Hallelujah. God orchestrated this. No one knows better than he. So we don't ever have to be without thinking, you know, God is so busy over here he got all this stuff he got to handle over here. He'll get back here next month sometime. No. <laughs> no, the Holy Spirit, he lives in us. He is God working in us 
in the form of the Holy Spirit. And once we understand that and start acting and operating like that, oh, friends, we'll start seeing the same result that Jesus saw. Hallelujah. But let's be aware of that. The Godhead. It's not some type of trick. It's not so complicated that nobody can understand it so we don't even talk about it. It's plain right there in the scriptures that we've read. We only looked at like 10% of the scriptures concerning that. A very small, very small sample size of scriptures to talk about that. Glory to God. But knowing that, understanding that, that the same spirit that, that uh, lived in Jesus is the same spirit that lives in us. The same father that Jesus prayed to is the same father we pray to. Now we just pray in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit. All three involved in our prayer life. Come on, stand on your feet. Hallelujah. I don't know, but it, it makes me want to shout. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And God did not shortchange us in any way. And I tell you, <laughs> I'm so thankful to be living in the time we live in. You can have these romantic ideals of, oh, what it would have been like to walk with Jesus, hot and dirty. That's what it would have been, been like. And some, some, some of us wouldn't have made it. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus say, let's go to, we're in Jerusalem, right? That's down, that's down south. And Jesus say, let's go to Capernaum. That's back to the headquarters. There was no Uber to call. There's no taxi. There was no horse and, and buggies. Guess what you were about to do? You're going to walk. You still want to be with Jesus? With sandals. Hmm? What were you going to eat? Well, were you walking through the wheat fields and just grab a, grab a handful of wheat or grab a piece of corn that's growing? You still want to be back there with Jesus? Where are you going to sleep at night? Wherever you stop. You only have about a hundred miles to go. Thereabouts. Y'all still want to be with Jesus? You've been watching them movies. <laughs> Hallelujah. You think about those people when Jesus fed that multitude one of the times. How long had, did the Bible say they had been following him? For several days. For several days. And Jesus said, we've come this far out in the wilderness. If we just send them home, they're going to faint. Because they haven't had anything to eat for several days. You still want to follow Jesus? There's no stores out there. In the, if, if you had money, there was nowhere to buy food. But those people were hungry. Not, they were hungry physically by that time, but they followed Jesus out of spiritual hunger out of desperation. Now we got comfort. So I want us to think, Jesus made it better for us. Let's take advantage of it. Let's take advantage of it. Let's not be afraid of, of, of what Jesus 
what the Father has given us in this last hour. Let's not run from our power. Let's run to it. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you.